0: Let's pray for the message. Let's pray for our hearts. God, I thank you um, for chasing after us. I pray that today that we would hear your heart, that we would hear, um, hear your word clearly, and that we would walk out of here with greater unity. Give us minds to understand, hearts um, willing to love God, feet willing to be obedient. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You know, I've had this sickness for a couple weeks, and um, Macy caught it, I don't know, a couple weeks ago. She still has an ear infection. And look at that. Even through an ear infection, ear infection she can hear from God. <laughs> Go figure, right? I remember when I was a little kid, um, we were listening to some kind of praise music in my mom's, what was it, a Bonneville or something? Look, if you drive a Bonneville, you can't drive. The, I never see one without a headlight. Like there's always one without a he- headlight, one with a dented in door, I promise you. So if you have a Bonneville, bow your head. We're gonna pray for you right now. <laughs> Nevertheless, white Bonneville of all things. And I remember sitting in back, and uh, while I was sitting back there, there was some kind of praise music on. I don't even remember what it was. And uh, I was screaming at the top of my lungs, hallelujah praise jesus right and as a parent you're like oh i really like that but she's like mom looked back at me and she said hey quit your yelling i said mom god has to hear me i have to yell at the top of my lungs for god to hear me she said joey you don't have to yell for god to hear you he hears you all the time even in your thoughts so even through macy's ear infection Childlike faith, God, God can speak to her. But what was unique is even through the sickness, um, we want to be people that are always willing to be used in every situation. Whether I'm sick, whether I'm tired, whether I'm frustrated, we're sent ones and i think you always hear testimonies from me of god using me because what i want to encourage you to do is every time i do it i'm scared and every time there's a hundred reasons why not to do it but what i want to encourage you in is that god even in your midst even in your mess even in your lack of qualifications or over qualifications he wants to use you in this world the harvest is plentiful i've been thinking about that a lot the workers are few So there's a lot of harvest out there. So that means, if I can just take that step, there's a good chance that I might see some fruit. And God's not gonna tell us to do something, the Great Commission, Matthew 28. Go into the world and make disciples. So, not everyone that I ever talk to is gonna come to Christ. But he's also calling me to do this and there's going to be fruit there. So we're out running errands on Monday or Tuesday don't remember exactly what day it was. I needed to pick up some medicine. We're at Walmart. And um, Walmart trips with a wife are always interesting. I'm going there for medicine or Tylenol. And it's like, well, I need this for the bee boop. I need this. I need some more towels. Girl, how many more towels and blankets do we need? So we, of course, had to begrudgingly go past um, the woman accessory aisles. And while we passed them, we passed the vacuums. And I saw this Hispanic family looking at these vacuums. And uh, I said to myself, oh, that's interesting. Looking at vacuums. And I walked past and I said to myself, why did I think, why did I say that was interesting? So then I told Macy, I said, I'll be right back. So I walked to their presence, looking at fake stuff. Okay, God, do you want me to do something? Do you want me to say something? Just looking at fake stuff. All right, I'm not going to do it. Leave, and I walk back to Macy. All right, God, hey. Now that I'm in my comfort zone, if you want me to do something, if you want me to like bless them with something, I'll do it. I'll go back and if they're still there, uh, I'll talk to them. And what God was saying is, He said, "Give them your vacuum." What? Give them your vacuum. So I went to them. Oh, this is gonna be really easy, but I'm really nervous. Hey, hola. They don't speak. They don't speak English. Hola. Oh man. Now what? And you always try to like make it really dub. I have a vacuum, right? You think that they don't like that's going to help. They don't understand English. So the guy that I addressed, I was talking to him and I said, hey, I have a vacuum. I'd like to give it to you. And I realized he didn't speak any Spanish. So then I looked at his acquaintance, his wife, whoever, and I looked at her and I said, hey, I have a vacuum. She said, yes. I said, i really like to give it to you. I feel like God wants me to give you this vacuum. And they looked at me like, what's, what's the catch? I said, I can't give it to you tonight. Where can I meet you? And then Macy had then come up at that point, and the lady had said, uh, New Carlisle, and I didn't understand it. And Macy said, New Carlisle? She said, yes. So in the midst of being sick and having a fever throughout the whole week, I don't remember what night it was, the only thing I did that day from getting out of the bed and going to the bathroom was having to drive to New Carlisle to meet this family at Speedway. So I drove to New Carlisle, and... um, had this vacuum, and I gave them this vacuum, and um, the lady had her hand in her jacket the whole time, and I'm thinking, no way, she trusts me. <laughs> like, she'd probably have a nine millimeter in there, get ready, blah 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 blah. <laughs> you don't know. I just didn't want to get splatted in the face that day. So I handed her the vacuum, she grabbed it with the other hand, and then she walked off. I said to myself, God, you know, everything that I do for you doesn't have to end in someone's salvation coming. Everything that I do for you and for other people doesn't have to be about um, there being a big miracle. It's about loving God and loving people. So um, we had to exchange numbers just to make sure that it was going to, um, that we would meet up at the same location. So then last night I got a text. And it was just how thankful they were and how great the vacuum works. And it was just affirming, her text to us was so affirming to us that we did the right thing. So I want to encourage you in this, is that whatever you're involved in this week, and this has nothing to do with the sermon, but it has everything to do with the vision of the church. Everything to do with, with who you are as an individual, as a servant, as, as a son and daughter. You guys are all sons and daughters of the Most High. Anything that you think of yourself other than that, then it might be unbiblical. Now, your um, saints, but your sons and daughters. And what ended up happening, or what I share that to say, this week there's opportunities. The harvest is plentiful. Be willing to take a risk, even if it doesn't work out. And you know what? Um, in continuing weeks, I'll share a lot of the unsuccessful stories too. There's a lot of unsuccessful stories that I've looked like a fool and looked like an idiot. And I walked away and said, God, that hurt. That didn't feel good, but it was worth it. So this week, I commission you guys, make yourself available, take a risk, do something different, give away a vacuum. And that thing had a good engine on it. It revved up. Whing! Whing! I hated when Macy used it. Selfish, I selfishly gave that thing away. We, all right. God bless this message. Bless this time together. In Jesus' name, Amen. So today, today's message doesn't come out of a place of what just happens in our community, but it's what I've seen take place um, over the past six years in church, and really throughout the duration of my life being a Christian. Um one of the most challenging things to do is to invite another person into your preferences, right? Even in your best intentions, most people have only one way to be happy. What way is that? My way. That's the only way that I can be happy is if you do it my way. So several years ago, I was helping a friend out cleaning. So they were cleaning a garage, and everything in the garage was basically going to the dumpster. And look, I know what's valuable, this piggy bank with three grand worth of pennies that you've been keeping since 1940. I'm not going to throw that in the dumpster, nor could I even lift it. But you've told me that this tote and that everything in this garage is going to be thrown away. So what I did, being the young whippersnapper with healthy calves and knees and thighs and gluteus maximus and whatever these are and biceps, I said, I'm going to take this tote. I'm going to fill it up. I'm going to take it to the dumpster and we'll throw it away. Well, this person that I was helping after one trip, they said, I don't like that. I'm like, well, was this trophy going to the trash? Yes. Was, were, were these newspapers going to the trash? Yes. Was this dirt going to the trash? Yes. Were all these items going to the trash? Yes. Okay. So what's the problem? I don't want you to do it that way. Is this tote going to the trash? Yes. So then, there's conflict. Their way, my way. So then it turned into this. Take this to the trash. Okay. 30 yards. Take this to the trash. 30 yards. Now, both of us had a goal in mind. Same goal. Neither was right nor wrong. We just had a different approach. Mine was carry all this stuff in one trip. Theirs was, I'm not in shape to do that, so the way that they thought was, do it this way. Same goal, throw the junk away. Different approaches because of personality. We can all probably identify situations that we've been in like that, right? Someone wants you to do something their way, or you want someone to uh, to do something your way. Parents, I know you've been there. I have parents. I've seen parents do it. It's like you're going to eat your cereal this way. Well, why? Why? Because I said so. So today I figured as a church, we're going to do an experiment. We are going to go on a trip. We're gonna plan a trip together. So, how many of you are tired of this? (laughs) I mean, it has been really cold. How many of you guys are tired of this? All right, what about this? Now this one I think you have to hover over and if you click it, there should be a a, a click on it. Um, If you hover over the bottom left of that picture Nevertheless, video is not going to work. But we're tired of this, right? Can I get a witness? I am tired of it. So if we're going to go on vacation as a church, there's a lot of things to consider. First off, we need to consider the location, right? Do we have time paid off? If we don't have top, then how are we going to go on this trip? Do we have any finances available? Is this trip really necessary? And these are some personal questions that whenever you guys go on vacations or trips, you probably ask. And then we say, who's going and who am I bunking with? All right, so someone give me a location. Where, where should we go? Just. Okay, New Zealand, not a good one. Keep on going. Kenya, did I hear Florida? I heard Florida, so fine. I heard Florida, and I hear Bahamas. I guess we're going to Florida. Look at all the disappointments. Or look, we're going to New Zealand. I hear all the disappointment right there, we're going to Florida. Oh, sandy Florida. But you know what? Florida right now is better than what we have. So, now that we're going to Florida, what's the best way to lodge? Well, we could go to a hotel. We could go to a beachfront uh, villa. Sounds really good. We could tent it. We could rough it. You know, we're Christians here. We're going to go down there, we're going to tent, and we're going to take the extra money and just feed some people. We could tent, or we could go on a camper, or we could stay with a family or friend. There's a lot of options. We had to choose one of these ways. We're We're not all going to do our own thing, are we? What about the best way to travel? There's different options. There's a car. There's an SUV. There's a plane. There's there's a bus. <laughs> there's a boat. How will we do that? The Ohio River. I don't know. I mean, I think we'd have to connect to the Mississippi, then the Mis- Mississippi get us to the Gulf, and then we'd have to shoot over from the Gulf. Um. We have um, a bus. We have a camper. We uh, have a train. So then what's the best airline or the route, right? American Airlines, Southwest. Are we gonna take I-75 down? Are we gonna take I-77 down? Are we gonna take Badger busing or Coach USA? What about Wanderoo train? How are we going to get there? There's a lot of preferences, right? Some of you don't like to fly, some of you don't like buses, some of you get car sick, some of you don't like the gas of an SUV. There's all of these preferences. We have 16 different categories here. So a mathematic term, permutation, would suggest that all the different combinations that we have, there's 3,000... 360 different options what I just suggested with those um, 3,360 different combinations of options. That's crazy, isn't it? Those few options that we have could be combined that many different ways. Simply meaning... If you can only have a good vacation if everything is your way and you do not value the opinions of the others, then it's going to be a miserable trip, right? So a lot of times what we find ourselves doing is asking individuals to do the one way of 3,360 options. The only way that I can be happy is if, is if, is if, and we think we're only listing five items, but how many other different options are there for those individuals? Likewise, within the church, locally and globally, there's the same problem. So many people have their preferences, and unless their preferences are met, they cannot be happy Or feel like we honor God the way that he should be honored. For example, worship songs. Oh, I would have played this one differently. Or I would have played that one. Or what about sermons? I would have finished it this way. Or I would have started that way. Greeters. Well, he didn't shake my hand. Or they should be posted up somewhere different. Events. Well, this event could have been better if this would have been there. Literally, the global church, even sometimes to the local church, yeah, I would say even to the local church, we find ourselves literally critiquing everything, right? It doesn't matter the age, the gender, the ethnicity within the church. I believe we're all fighting for the same thing. Christ to be preached to the nations and for souls to be saved. Right? That's what we're fighting for. We, we live to honor Christ. We're in this moment today to honor Christ. There isn't a Sunday. There isn't a day of the week Where we probably do not say, "I would have done it differently," right? And that statement is actually, in my opinion, fairly laughable, um, because the expectation that everyone will do it your way, I believe, is unbiblical. I just don't think it's. I don't. I don't think it's biblical. The church specifically is not a business. It's not a political headquarter. It's a place to honor God and to celebrate the differences that we have within our community. It's a place for all of us to come and honor the one true God, to encourage one another while being encouraged ourselves. 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 Let's talk about... um, transmissions too, right? I know a lot about those. You know what I don't want to do? I don't want to meet Jesus one day. Actually, I've met him. When I see Jesus face to face, what I don't want him to say is, Joey, I wish you were more interested in honoring me more than you were trying to find significance in critiquing everything. You realize the more I critique things, it's actually about finding significance in my own life. The more I critique other people, what I've identified for me specifically, is it's more about me finding significance because I'm hurting in some other area. And that's the last thing I want God to say to me. Quit critiquing people. Find your significance in me. Don't build yourself up through these false accusations. You know when we accuse people, it's actually a demonic act? An act of demons. Jesus is the redeemer. Satan is the accuser. You never thought about that, did you? When we accuse people of things, we're participating in an act of demons. It's going to make you think about accusing people next time, won't it? (laughs) Nevertheless, there is one absolute we must agree upon. You want to know what that is? Jesus Christ crucified and resurrected for the atonement of our sins. The one thing. That's what we must agree upon. Now, I bring this up Because our preferences are getting in the way of the unity of the body. Our preferences. One author says, a teacher will always think that the problem within the church is a theology problem. We just need to teach more. While an evangelist will think, you know what? we need to be out on the streets more. Or a worship leader might say, if the congregation would just bow down and honor God and worship, they're always going to identify the problem through their gifting. Right? So what happens is the teacher is now getting mad at the worship leader and the worship leader is getting mad at the evangelist because the evangelist is like, hey, you need to be out on the streets. But then the worship leader is like, teacher, I need to see you bow down and worship. And then the teacher's like, show me that in the Bible. But when you talk to their heart, it's, I want to see Christ crucified in people's lives. I want to see Christ resurrected. I want to see people surrendering their lives to Christ. And you get that from the worship leader, then you go to the teacher, and the teacher says, it's all about soul saved. And then you go to the evangelist, and he's like, why do you think I'm out here on the streets, brother? Every evangelist uses the word brother. (laughs) That should be in a spiritual gifts test. (laughs) Do you like the word brother? Evangelist, (laughs) done. We're all fighting for the same thing. Just an honest question, off script. We need unity within our congregation to impact the greater good. More unity. We have have such good unity here at Mechanics for Christian Fellowship, but I'm standing here today to say there's more. There's more unity. There's more oneness. There's more togetherness. We don't need to critique everything. Now, look, again, a lot of things could be said during a sermon. I'm not saying we don't sharpen, I'm not saying we don't edify, I'm not saying we don't keep people accountable. I'm not saying we just have loose cannons doing whatever they want. But what I am suggesting is we need to start finding ways to value the uniquenesses of individuals and bless them and release them into their gifting. Me making a disciple, now look, making a disciple is recreating you, but me making a disciple is imparting what I have to that person so that then that person can go out and take whatever I've imparted and then who they are with Christ and go out and make a greater impact. It's just not about replicating me. The world doesn't need another me because if they needed another me, God would have have created two me's. But what happens and what prevents us from walking in greater unity is it often comes back to my way is the only way. If they would have just done it my way, I have the only answer. Now, we can find that within the church, we can find that at work, we can find that with our friends, we can find that with our family members, right? And what I've realized is when I can identify that in every area of my life, there's three things that happen with this attitude. Number one, we or I minimalize my contributing fault. You guys ever find yourself there? Oh, come on now. If they just would have done it this way, literally, it's, it's all their fault. I have nothing to do. If they just would have done it my way, everything would have worked out. So we minimalize our fault while maximizing everyone else's shortcomings. Well, if this person would have done this, Well, that person, literally, you find yourself in conversations where it's always about someone else's problem, someone else's problem, how they need to do something better. And what that does is that actually takes everything, all the accountability off of you, and it pushes it towards everyone else. Because if you just do it my way, everything would be perfect. Well, you know what, there was a lot of people who thought that during Jesus' day too. Jesus, we know the right way. And the right way is to hate you, and to sin against you, and to turn against you, and to rebel against you, and then to nail you to a cross, and to murder you on a cross. That was was our way. Our way's not the best way. But the body unified is the best way. Togetherness is the best way. I need, you know, one of the reasons why I don't feel a lot or over pressure about um, the mantle of being the senior pastor here at the church is it's not about me. It's not about me. You know what it's about? Equipping the saints. It's about Christ at work in the body. It's about honoring God. It's not about me. We can only go as far as the body is strong. And could you imagine, could you imagine if we had 200 people here next Sunday who was like, yo Joey, I gave away my vacuum. (laughs) Yo Joey, I gave away my toolbox. I gave away all the groceries in my house. I gave away my car. That went from one person being impacted to 400 in one week. How far are we gonna go, church? But what happens is this, is when I start critiquing everything and everyone, where's my heart? Is it on Christ? I'm lying to myself. Is it on Christ? Or is it on me? It's on me. So how am I gonna go serve someone when it's about me? You can't. We minimalize our contributing fault while maximizing everyone else's shortcomings, resulting in the body of Christ being out of sync. So, today, if you have your Bibles, we find ourselves in Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to read some, uh, some good news. I am going to read out of the message version. I'm going to look at the King James Version, and you guys will be somewhere in between, I'm sure. I'm going to start uh, chapter 4, and I'm going to start in verse 1, and I'm going to read through verse 3 initially. You should be able to join us on the screen if you do not have your Bible. Verse 1. And the message version, I'm sure many of you guys are aware, it's just a paraphrase version. So it's, um, it's an easier read. Um, it's still translated based upon the original translations, the manuscripts. But um, it's just paraphrased. So what's this, the message isn't the Bible you want to go to and study, but it's certainly something you can use in a situation like this to um, get an idea or a theme going. So verse one, in the light of all this, here's what I want you to do. While I'm locked up here, a prisoner for the master, I want you to get out there and walk. Better yet, run. On the road, God calls you to travel. I don't want any of you sitting around on your hands. I don't want anyone strolling off down some path that goes nowhere, and mark that you do this with humility and discipline, not in fits and starts, but steadily pouring yourself out for each other in acts of love, alert at noticing differences and quick at mending fences. Look, you're not called to walk. You're not called to sit. You're called to run. Unabandoned, run, 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 run. MCF, run. I was running. I don't want you. <coughs> I don't want you sitting there. I don't want you strolling off. I don't want you going off wrong paths. And mark your run and to do this with humility, discipline, not in fits and starts, but steadily pouring yourself out for each other in acts of love, alerting and noticing differences, teachers, preachers, apostles, evangelists, and mending fences. So, today, how do we transition well? How do we do that? We must possess a few things. If you have um, a new King James Bible today, if you have a King James Bible, if you have an NIV, I believe verse 3 alludes to lowliness, right? And the King James uses the term lowliness. Be, um, Because before Christianity, lowliness um, was often um, a word that had a bad connection. It was like, um, yeah, just a bad connection, right? In the minds of many, it still does. It means that we can be happy, um, but but, but it means we can be happy and content when we are not in control or steering things. So to run this race... We must be happy and content even though it's not our way. Lowliness. We need this so that the inevitable, it's going to happen, wrongs that occur between people in our church and in the greater church will not work against God's purpose to bring all things to him. We must possess lowliness because we don't want anything to get in the way of him and him glorified and honored. We must possess humility. A humble, forgiving attitude towards each other is paramount to have uh, unity. I think one of the... um, One of the great things that I've learned over the past 10 years is I'm not that important. If I were to die tomorrow, my immediate family would think about me regularly. And you know what? I'm not even afraid to say it. Most of you would forget about me. That's okay, I'll be in heaven. That's all right. I'm not that important. And when I realize that I'm not that important, but yet I'm everything to Christ, I can walk in humility. And I, be, I can begin to value people around me. You know why? It's not about me. It's about helping other people grow. It's about seeing other chains set free. It's about another person being able to enjoy a Chipotle burrito other than just me. Taste and see that the Lord is good. We must keep unity. In verse three, um, in, your, in your Bible today, I'm sure it says this, make every effort to keep unity. You know what it didn't say? Make every effort to create unity. It didn't say make every effort to force unity. It said make every effort to keep Unity suggesting that Christ has done something. God has already done something to bring unity to the body and our job is to keep it. And you know what's not helping us keep it? When we start critiquing and being critical on everything. Because what happens over time is the way that you critique someone is actually the way that you begin to see them. You're not God. God see, uh, he sees the blood of Christ over us, but he also has the ability. You know, he, he's seen our sin, he, he hates our sin, but yet he still sees through that. As humans, we rarely possess the ability to see through it. And the way that we think about someone is the way that we will honor them and value their presence in our life. So whether it be a co-worker, a family member, or a leader within your local community, the way that you critique them is the way that you begin to perceive them. And Christ says, keep unity. Keep it, keep it, keep it, keep it, keep it. Paul's alluding to keep it, keep it. We must keep unity. We do not create it. God never commands us to create unity among believers. He has created it by his spirit. Our duty is to recognize it and to keep it. When we limit um, the ways, when when we limit these ways, we can never be happy within the church or with people. We are not doing a good job keeping unity. Keeping unity means to completely be humble, gentle, be patient, be bearing with one another in love. Allow people to grow. You know who's been the biggest influence in my life? is Jesus. A lot of you guys, growing up, have kept me accountable. You've spoke to me. You've taught me things. But the greatest influence in my life has been Jesus. Period. I'll take that influence. I'll take what someone's spoken to me. I'll go back and guess, guess what I do? Father, Jesus, what do you want me to do? And his kindness leads me to that place of repentance. Since God's been the one who's brought that growth in my life, why am I so much about me to think? Why am I so about me that I think that I'm, I can bring change to another person's life? Scripture alludes to um, I get to plant and I get to water, but God brings the growth. God's gonna bring the growth in another person's life and my job is to be patient, to be kind, to be loving, to be consistent, to not give up. I think that great things can happen here at our church but we must start stewarding unity that God is bringing. God's going to bring unity. He's bringing unity. We must keep it, steward it well. So you know what? A practical, a practical analogy. One of the things that Macy and I find ourselves in, and it's like this, this flaw in me, it's like, I don't care where we eat. I just want a lot of food. You know, can I get a witness? So she'll be like, hey, you want this? And I'll just be like, no. And we go through this conflict of time when all I want's a bunch of food. Today after church, when you're going out with the family, y'all probably like me, you really don't care where you eat, you just want a bunch of it. You want that general so's chicken. Flop it on there. You want that pizza buffet. Keep the unity. If ten people in the family want dragon fett because the light's always out. If you want Dragon fat after church, nine people want it, don't be the person to ruin the unity. Keep it, keep it, keep it, keep it. Keeping unity means that you're willing to sacrifice some of your desires for the greater good because we're all chasing after the same thing here at Mechanicsburg Christian Fellowship. We are. Don't get mad at someone else's gifting. What are we chasing after? Jesus Christ crucified and resurrected for the atonement of our sins, for people to be set free from the bondage and the baggage, to have heaven here on earth in their life, to experience a piece of heaven in their life, the freedom, the joy that the weight of sin is gone. So why am I going to yell at a... Another brother or sister who's not doing it my way. Because if all we had were evangelists, we wouldn't have a church. And if all we had were evangelists, then no one would teach. And if all we had were teachers, then we wouldn't have worship leaders. And if all we had were church leaders, we wouldn't have anyone to build the church. Right? We need everyone. Do what you can to keep unity. And why do we do this? Because it's not about us, it's about God. I had a little side note here. It's impossible to walk in unity if we are always offended by someone. Right? It's so easy to be offended by people And what I wanna say, I'll carefully say this because some have been really sinned against. If you're always offended by someone, I think there's a potential that you could be trying to find your significance because there's inadequacy within your heart that God wants to fill with his love. And that offense, actually, when when you're offended By someone, then that's you trying to put yourself above them, and now they're at a lower place than you. Basic, right? I mean, we should all know that. We position ourselves above them so that we say, it's their fault. I'm okay. I'm right. Nevertheless, let's continue in some scripture. Verse 6 You were all called to travel on. The same road, in the same direction. So stay together, both outwardly and inwardly. You have one master, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who ru- rules over all, works through all, and presents and present in all. Everything you are and think and do is permeated with oneness. That's what I'm talking about right there. Oneness, unity. We're all on the same path. But as we're marching on the same path, we got some drums. We got some flutes. We got some cowbell. We got some triangle. You know what? There's some banners flinging around. We got those things flying up. The girl's catching them between their legs. Batons? Yeah. Hey, I'm not a batoner. Don't hate me. So stay together. You know, not everyone in a band is is perfect. Not everyone who sings up here is perfect, but the togetherness hides those imperfections because there's unity. I don't want my messes to always be on display. When I go out rogue and doing things by myself, you're going to see it. You're going to see my mess. But when there's unity within the body, you won't see it as much. Let's continue. But that doesn't mean you should all look and speak and act the same. Out of the generosity of Christ, each of us is given his own gift. The text for this is, he climbed the high mountain. Now I'm getting ready to use a word here that older generation I want to teach you. The younger generation thinks this word means something completely than what it actually means. We're gonna use the word booty. And booty to the younger generation does not mean anything. Um, it means like what happens on your wedding night. Like, I'm about to get me some booty. So I wanted to clarify with this younger generation up here, can I get a witness? The word that I'm about to use is not Jesus going to go get booty. I'm just being honest, it's, that's, that's not what it means. Um, booty itself means valuable stolen goods, especially those seized in a war. So clarifying, they're all blushing up here. Praise God. Verse 7. No, we're down to 8. He climbed the high mountain. He captured the enemy and seized the booty. He handed it all out in gifts to the people is it not true that the one who climbed up also climbed down? Down to the valley of the earth. And the one who climbed down is the one who climbed back up, highest, up to the highest heaven. He handed out gifts above and below, filled heaven with his gifts, filled earth with his gifts. He handed out gifts of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor teacher, to train Christ followers in skilled servant work, working within Christ's body, the church, until we're all moving, until we are all moving, until we are all moving, all of us, rhythmically and easily with each other, efficient and graceful in response to God's Son, fully mature adults, fully developed within and without, fully alive like Christ, until all of us together are moving rhythmically on one accord down the same path. No prolonged efficiencies among us, please. We'll not tolerate babes in the woods, small children who are an easy mark for imposters, God wants us to grow up, to know the whole truth and to tell it in love. Like Christ in everything, we take our lead from Christ, who is the source of everything we do. He keeps us in step with each other. His very breath and blood flow through us, nourishing us so that we will grow up healthy in God, robust in love. concluding to do something really special not only in your life but here at the church and here's one thing I'm not going to back down from I believe that if here at Mechanics for a Christian Fellowship we will keep and we will continue in the unity that God is doing and wants to do the world will know about it not Urbana not West Liberty, not Bell Fountain, not Marysville, not London, the world. I truly believe that. I will unapologetically say that. If God called Noah to build an ark, as I said several, several months ago, then why wouldn't God call Mechanicsburg Christian Fellowship to impact the world? I think he is. We need to transition well into unity. We must do these things. We must make it about Christ, number one. We must keep unity with others, and that means to do everything we can. We need to honor different gifts that are chasing the goal even when they are not perfect. Even when someone else's gift is not perfect, we need to honor them Let them grow. Remember the saying, you point one finger, you have three pointing back. I don't want any more fingers pointing at me, right? Let's pray. (coughs) And today, if that's you, if you want more unity in your personal life, if you want more unity um, in your work life, if you want greater surrender to Christ um, within our church, then I just ask that you would, you would raise your hands, you would open up your hands, and I'm going to pray for you. And, uh, Amen, I see these hands, that's awesome. God, I thank you for who you are. I pray that um, this week we would go study Ephesians, Ephesians chapter four, and that you would teach us about Unity. Speak to us clearly when we're about to push that unity that you're um, utilizing in our life, God. When we're about to push that away, I pray that you would speak to us clearly and remind us to keep it. Help us at work. Help us with our family. Help us with our church. God, thank you for chasing after us. God, I pray that we would see the opportunities this week of the harvest that you're putting in our lives. Bless us this week. God, I pray that you would put a hedge of protection over us from the schemes of Satan this week. And I pray right now in Jesus' name that all colds would be healed, all flu symptoms, all sickness right now would be healed in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys are dismissed. Walk in unity. Hey, siblings and young ones, you better start honoring your brothers and sisters and parents too. I mean you, Stephen. I'm just picking on you cuz I like you.